Hey there, welcome to the Claim the Stage podcast. This is a podcast for women who are interested in building public speaking skills and being more effective on stage. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also an award-winning professional speaker, a three-time author, and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, which is a network of public speaking clubs for women. On today's show, I have a very special guest who's going to talk to us all about how to find stories in your own life. I often hear from new speakers that they don't have anything to talk about, which I think is kind of crazy because we have so much going on in our full lives. There are stories around us at all times. So how do we find those stories? That's the question we're going to answer on today's episode. And my guest, Karen Friedman, has a long background in telling stories, not only as a major market television news reporter, but also as a columnist, a speaker, and an author. So she has a new book out called Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lessons. And in this book, she tells stories from her life and she attaches meaning to those stories. So there's a lesson in each one. So she's a master at doing what we're going to talk about here today. And she's going to give you some tips on how to do this in your own life. Karen is so fascinating. She's so articulate and easy to listen to. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let me introduce introduce you to today's guest, Karen Friedman. Karen Friedman is an executive communication coach, syndicated columnist, speaker, author of bestseller Shut Up and Say Something, and the newly released Ordinary People Extraordinary Lessons. Following two decades as a major market television news reporter, she founded Karen Friedman Enterprises to help professionals become more compelling communicators. She has provided media, speaker, and leadership communications programs to scores of organizations around the world. Karen has traveled with former First Lady Hillary Clinton to provide communications training for women across South and Central America and is adjunct faculty at Smith College's Executive Education Program for Women. Karen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much for having me. Very excited to have you here today. We're going to focus on how to find speech topics and stories in everyday life, which is what you did in your most recent book. But before we jump into that, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into this type of work? So interestingly, in my last life, I was a television news reporter. And I never knew that what I learned then would become so valuable to how I approach trying to help people now. So as a television news reporter, I worked at stations around the country, and then I ended up at ABC in Philadelphia for 12 years. And when you are a reporter, what you do every day is you observe, you ask questions that draw other people out so you can then share their stories. And your opinion as that reporter is really irrelevant because you might think that you're going out to go after a certain story, and the story that you end up with ends up being vastly different if you're paying attention and listening to what people have to say. So ultimately, in a very long way, this book is, is exactly that. It's looking at the everyday people, ordinary people, people that you see in the supermarket. And if you pay attention closely enough, just like I had to do when I was a reporter, you will find out that there are incredible stories with major lessons that can be shared 
with anyone, regardless of what you do for a living or where you come from. Well, I can't wait for you to teach us how to do that. <laughs> you, <laughs> you've written several articles and compiled them into this, this new book, um, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lessons. What's the focus of the book? So interestingly, and uh, truth be told, when I started writing articles, I was writing them for the Philadelphia Business Journal. And I was writing them to promote my first book, Shut Up and Say Something. So it was, it was about marketing. And then it became really fun. And instead of trying to promote something or sell something, I ended up looking really forward to writing these articles because the articles became about the reader. Just like when I was a reporter, it became about the viewer. And it wasn't about me. And the same can be said for speakers. So if you think about it, if you're standing up in front of a group speaking because you want to get applause, then with all due respect, sit down. <laughs> speaking, I mean, really think about it. Speaking, just like writing, should be about making a difference for others. And, and it's not about you. It's always about them. So what happened is the article started to focus on what lessons can be learned, not how do I promote my book? Hmm. Yeah. And how did you find the content for the articles? I kept my eyes and ears open. So think about it. You know, it, it always um, strikes me as kind of funny. Somebody will say to me, well, Karen, you know, you were a reporter in your first life. And so you're you're a good storyteller. I'm, I'm not a good storyteller. Eh, not true. Think about what we do every single day. You sit on the beach and you say to your friend, Angela, oh my goodness, let me tell you what happened last night. Or you, or you get on the phone with a girlfriend and you say, I have to tell you about the conversation that Debbie and I just had. So what you're doing is you're telling a story. And if you keep your eyes open, you never know what you're going to observe or what you're going to experience. So, you know, things happen to us every day, like, like just as a very quick example. Um, in one of the chapters of, of the book, chapter seven, it's called Love and Loyalty. One of the articles is about my dog, who unfortunately is, is no longer here. And I was watching my dog one day when she was about 12 years old, and she was sitting at the top of the steps at the very, you know, the, the top landing of our, of our house where the bedrooms are. And the doorbell rang and it was a mailman or somebody at the door. And the dog just, you know, she was old and it, it was troubling for her to get down the steps. She kind of sat at the top of the steps and she's going, Ruff, Ruff. whereas years ago when she was younger, it would have been, ah, and she would have like flown down the steps, you know, barely touching them because she wanted to like get to the door to go through it to tear who was ever at the door apart. She was a German shepherd. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, what's the relevance of, of that to work? And, you know, of course, I didn't know at the time. And then all of a sudden, one day it just hits me. Huh. Well, we have older workers in the workplace. Are they not as spry as they once were? Are we going to put them out to pasture like some people would have said it was time to do for my dog? And I turned it into an article. So you don't always have to know what you're going to see or what the message is. And that's why I always, um, I always encourage people to keep a notebook because you can't remember everything when it's time to remember. 
but all of a sudden something will hit you and you'll realize what story makes a point that you'd like to make. Hmm. So keeping a notebook is a great place to start. I know that I come across new speakers all the time and I also work with experienced speakers and they both have their own unique struggles when it comes to storytelling. With new speakers, they often have a hard time finding topics to talk about because they think my life is boring and who cares? And then the more experienced speakers struggle with how to incorporate their stories into their presentation. So do you have some tips you can offer them to start kind of thinking about this differently? Yeah, absolutely. And one of them is what I just said. It's keep a notebook. Yeah. So that's a starting that's a starting point. Like, let me give you an example. I was coming through a train station one day around rush hour, and all of a sudden I see this engineer next to the escalator and he hits a button. And the escalator that was going up all of a sudden starts to go backwards. And there's a couple of people on the escalator and they're like running in place because they're going the wrong way. And people around them are you know, they're laughing. It's comical. And, and I was laughing, too. And then I realized, oh, wow, those people could have been hurt. Now, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of a column or a story. But when I got to my car, I jotted it down because I knew there was a message in there. I just didn't know what it was. Fast forward a couple of months later, I have a column due and I have writer's block. We all get it. And I look in my notebook and I see I've written down escalator with a couple of points. I'm thinking, huh, what, what does that mean? So I start writing the escalator story, and all of a sudden it hits me, oh, sometimes we have to take two steps backwards to take two steps forward. Mm. And even though it's very simple, right, it's that analogy to the escalator. Or I'll, or I'll give you one more. For, for new speakers or speakers of any level. Um, I had gotten an email a couple of years ago from somebody in South Africa inviting me to be this keynote speaker at this major event. It was very flattering. Everything seemed very real. I was very excited. And the kicker was I was supposed to wire money, right? But it didn't seem out of the ordinary. I'm about to do this, and somehow or other, I'm Googling around and checking around, and I start to find articles about people who were scammed the same way that I was about to be scammed. Hmm. And I ended up writing an article about it, and this article to this day, that was about six or seven years ago, to this day, people come across that article and email me, total strangers, thanking me for saving them because they almost got caught with the same scam that I did. Hmm. Now, I didn't know I was going to write that article. So lastly, what I would say that goes to your question about new speakers and what can they do, I'm going to tell you something that I tell people in all of our training programs, and that's this. What is it that you can say that only you can say? We all have unique stories. So if you're in the room with the CEO or the boss who's eight steps ahead of you and you're intimidated, don't be. Because your stories, your experience, your conversations, what you observed is unique to you. And when you focus on that, you're offering people a unique perspective, even if you just started speaking yesterday. Yeah. 
And what I'm hearing you say, too, is that it seems like all of this starts with curiosity. Like the people on the escalator and your dog, you looked at both of those situations and it sounds like you asked yourself, what's going on here? And then you asked yourself, what does it mean? Right. And but you know what? The interesting thing is you don't always know what it means when it happens. Yeah. Right. So one of the articles that's in the book and, and realize that in the in the book, these are the the reader favorites of seven or eight years of syndicated columns. So I pick the ones that are a combination of what readers really honed in on and, and my personal favorites. OK, so uh, my son and I had walked into this bowling alley. I believe it was last summer in the middle of kind of nowhere in the in the Pinelands of New Jersey. And it looked great on the outside. I mean, it looked like just wonderful. And then we walked in and it looked even more fabulous and modern on the inside. And as soon as we started a ball, we realized that it was almost like a smoke screen. And what I mean by that is everything was great in terms of appearance, but I don't think those lanes had been updated in 50 years. Hmm. So they're, they were made with um, my son and I both are in bowling leagues, so we were aware, and they're made with these old materials. So when you take a bowling ball and you roll it down the lane, it, it sounds like a like a horse that's going like clop, 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 and the thing kind of like careens and goes in the gutter. And at first you think, oh, maybe I'm not such a good bowler. <laughs> and then you realize that that the issue is the lanes. So ultimately I ended up writing a story that had to do with um, – with the idea that you always have to keep current and you always have to keep on top of things as a business because you might be able to draw people in and that's great. But the key is you want to make your customers stay. So is there a process you, you go through to sort of reverse engineer your experiences to find that meaning? Or is it just a matter of reflecting and thinking about what what happened there and what what do what does it mean? Well, it's a, it's a combination of two things. And the first is, one, don't tell stories just to tell stories. If you're going to write a story or you're going to share a story with an audience, what you need to write down also is, okay, great story, funny story. What is the message you want that listener or you want that audience to take away? And all audiences aren't created equal. So if you're addressing, for example, a group of accountants they might not be the same as a group of pharmacists in terms of what's important to them. And I, and I also take a look at things that, that happen, whether they're funny, whether they're sad, whether they're serious, and I say, okay, um, if, if I had a process, the very beginning would be, what's the issue, what's the challenge, what's the problem, yeah. what happened, mm-hmm. like the escalator, right? The, the middle is that escalation, kind of like, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go, and we get to the top, and oh, oh, and oh, and how is this going to be solved? But we also want to bring what we felt. You know, what what did we, like, like a reporter, what did I feel, what did I see, what did I hear, what was I afraid of, what made me anxious, what made me, you know, excited, what what was that aha moment that that changed the game? And, and then the end, of course, is the conclusion, but it's also, what do you want to leave people with? Yeah. And, and what did you learn? Not what you're telling them, but what did you learn that they can now turn into their own ideas, their, their own learnings and their own actions. 
I love that. And so you're giving us a lot of the, the juicy stuff that people should be focusing on to build that emotional connection and take the audience on that roller coaster and get them to the point where you're, they're learning something and they're really getting to know you. Is there anything that the speaker or the storyteller should leave off from the story? Yes, the minutia and the details. So that, that's, that's very hard to do because we're too close to our stories. Okay, so let, let me give you an example. So I, I do a lot of work with um, patient advocates who are storytellers. And these are people who have very significant, rare diseases, and they've been through the ringer and back, all right? And let's say their story has spanned 30 years or 40 years. How do you tell that story in 30 or 40 years when you have five minutes? Yeah. You don't. You don't. So you have to think just like uh, just like I had to do when I was a TV reporter. I spent eight hours covering the story, but I only had a minute 30 or two minutes to deliver it. So sometimes a way to look at it is this. Let's say you have five minutes. Think of it as one minute intervals, almost like breathable segments. So the open, the beginning might be that one minute challenge, something that happened at some point that was a, whoa, the, you, know, you never thought anything was gonna get better. Here was the problem, here was the issue. Then you pick three key points. This is a very abbreviated way to think about it, but you pick three key points. You know, one might be, uh, here's something that happened to me. Two might be, here's another experience along the way that I encountered, you know, uh, 15 years later. Third might be something, you know, something else. And in each one, you're gonna, you're gonna hone it to, to one minute. So they're really short excerpts from the story, from the, the parts of your life that you wanna showcase. And, and here's the kind of like the zinger to all of this, in each interval, what's the point that you wanna make? So people remember stories, they remember examples, they don't remember all the minutia and all the facts. If you tell a story and then you support it with, with uh, a powerful number, like, you know, this will happen to one out of every three people next week, that's fine. But that's something powerful. Yeah. So less is more. What's the point you want to make? And, and, and lastly, when you're telling these stories, how is it that we can put our reader, our listener, our viewer, our audience in the experience, paint the picture, make it visual, make it real. Don't bury them in all of the details. Mm -hmm. So if you have a bunch of stories from everyday life and you're asked to give a longer talk, like an informational talk or a keynote, how do you incorporate all those stories? Well, you incorporate pieces of the stories, depending on how long the talk is. So, you know, if you have a talk that is, let's say, 45 minutes, that doesn't mean that you want to jam it with 85 points. You still want to narrow the focus to those, let's say, five points. But within each five, under each subheading, for example, what is the example? What's a story? What's a vignette? What's an anecdote that you can share? If you have three minutes, you don't have time to share five or six anecdotes. You might only be able to share two. And what are those two? that are gonna be most powerful or most relatable 
for that audience. So it, it goes back to, again, pick the examples that are, that are going to put somebody else in the experience. Make it about them, not about you. How could everyone listening today start doing, um, start thinking about better topics and stories that they could just start doing right now? So the, the number one place to start is, and speakers should know this, but they don't always, uh, and that is, who is the audience? And what does that audience care about? Okay? So if your audience, for example, uh, is, in fact, let me take, I'll give it to you another, another way. If, if you're speaking to supermarket managers, what do they care about? Uh, fresh produce, uh, food that has, yeah, having more customers, the display, yeah. Bingo, Uh, you use the magic word. It's the customer. It's the customer experience. It's the customer coming back. So if you're talking to supermarket managers, you're going to focus on what they want, the customer. If you're talking to people who run airports, what do they care about? They care about the traveling public. So you're going to use examples that are about the traveling public. Hmm. If you're talking to a pharmacy manager, what do they care about? Or the hospital? I mean, they care about other things besides patients. But if it's about the patient, if it's about bringing the patient back, what examples can we use that showcase the patient and the experience that that patient has inside the pharmacy? Hmm. So it's focusing on that audience. That's so you make it so simple. It's just ask them. It what, is, yeah, what do they care about? <laughs> so it it is no, it is simple. We make it complicated. Yeah. So 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 here's here's an example. So for um, oh goodness knows about fifteen twenty years until they closed it down, I popped in at the same bagel shop every single morning. And this is actually in the book as well. The article is called, Let Me Tell You a Story About Steve from the Coffee Shop. So I knew this guy, Steve, an older gentleman, 15, 20 years, right? And every single morning, Steve and all his cronies, they were retired, would sit around this table, shooting the breeze, arguing politics, fighting with each other over sports, whatever came up, and they'd eat bagels. And I'd walk into the coffee shop because I liked the coffee there, and it became a little bit of a habit. And I'd shoot the breeze with Steve and his friends and I'd leave because I had to work, couldn't sit there all day, right? So Steve used to tell the story about all of his years in sales. And he, and he told it over and over again. I heard these stories, honestly, a hundred times over 15 or 20 years. So one day I said to him, because the best way to draw people out is to ask them about themselves. I said to him, so Steve, tell me something. What is your secret to success. What was your secret to sales success? And he doesn't miss a beat. He puts the bagel down and he says, ask for the order. He says, let me tell you a story. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. It wasn't the ask. That's what he said it was, but it wasn't the ask. It was those magic words. Let me tell you a story. Because Steve was an awesome storyteller. And he would talk about his grandchildren's annex. And he would talk about some great save on the tennis court. And what he did was he had a knack to 
create an emotional connection that ultimately made that ask relevant to somebody's life. And when we pick those anecdotes, those stories, those examples, those quick little hits that other people can relate to, we create emotional connections. And that's how we do it. We don't do it by saying, I'm going to tell you this and do this and do this. And now let me give you 85 other pieces of information, detail, minutia, because you've tuned out. And, and one other thing, think about this. So how long does it take for somebody to pay attention to what you're saying? A second. Any guesses? Yeah. You're close. It takes about 10 seconds. Okay. So if you're a speaker, you're a speaker, right? Yeah. That says, that says the beginning, the open is almost the single most important, important part of your talk because you have 10 seconds, maybe a little bit more to get somebody engaged and to create value. And if you can't do that quickly, they're thinking about something else. Okay. So, so consider that part. If you're a speaker, that's part one, part two, when somebody leaves your talk, what do you think they remember? After 10 minutes, after a week, after, so, so their memory, it dwindles, but, but the, the key in all of this is after a week, if they remember this much, they remember 10%. So what does that say to you as a speaker? It says that you need to focus on the 10%. Hmm. What is the 10%? that you want to leave people with. And every story, every anecdote, every piece of information needs to back that up and support it. I love that. Karen, what do you think it is that people love about your stories in particular? I think that they're relatable. I think that I try very, very hard to put other people in the experience. I also try very hard to be authentic and I, and really, and I've had to learn this along the way too. And that is that you can't be full of yourself. You have to be able to laugh at yourself. You have to be able to own up to your own mistakes. Uh, even the articles in the book, a lot of them, you know, when you read them, there are things that happened to me where I made mistakes, where I did something that was really stupid and really wrong. I admitted it and then tried to find a way to make it better. Like um, a, a quick example, I had, a, I had a new business appointment one day with the chairman of the board at a client that I had worked with for many years. Now, their parking lot is the worst parking lot in the history of parking lots. So every time you go to the parking lot, it's under construction. It's been under construction for 15 years. I don't know what they're doing over there. So, so when, I, when I have this appointment with this chairman of the board, you know, I want to get there really early, right? Because I know it's going to take me 20 minutes to find a parking spot. And I want to be earlier on time and I want to make a good first impression, right? So I get there and of course the parking lot's a mess. And all of a sudden I see somebody pulling out of a space and I, you know, hit my gas and I go flying up to the space but coming from the other end of the lane, this big black infinity sees the parking space as soon as I do. He comes up and we both get there at the same time. But the way that we are in front of the space, neither one of us can pull into the space. So I'm thinking, 
there is no way I'm giving up this space. Well, evidently he's thinking the same thing. So I figure, you know what? As my son would say, dude, I can wait this out as long as you can. So I throw my car in the park and he sits there. And now we have like a, like a standoff, you know? And all of a sudden he just gets so annoyed because I guess he thinks I'm a jerk. And he throws the car back into reverse and he backs out and I pull into the space and I'm like, yeah, I won. Okay, that's how I see this, right? <laughs> I think and I know, might know where this is where... going. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so I didn't know where this is going until I get out of the car and I'm walking across the parking lot and I go up to sign in and I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 this cannot be. So... I get escorted into Mr. Infinity's <laughs> office. Yeah, you got it. He's the chairman of the board <laughs> and he's sitting there and he's got his arms crossed around his chest and he's leaning back in his chair. And I went, um, <laughs> I said, uh, did you find a parking space? Because you mean, you mean after you stole mine? Now, I could have thought, I could have, you know, obviously not taken the high road. And in this case, well, how do you fix a first impression? This is what the article became. It's not about me being a jerk or him being a jerk. It's how do you fix the first impression? There's a saying, you can never undo a first impression. So I took that somewhere saying, yes, but you can, you can repair it. So I put my hand out. I said, can we start over? My name's Karen Friedman. And I made a joke about it and we talked about it. And to this day, we still joke. All right, what time's the meeting? Why don't you get there first so you can have the space? You know, that type of thing. <laughs> nice so, save. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. But I mean, in that case, it was. But so that that's an example of um, laughing at yourself, owning up to your mistakes, not thinking that you have all the answers because you never have the answers. Yeah. And, and how do you continually learn and use your own experiences, wherever they may be, parking lots or at work, to teach others valuable lessons. Yeah. Well, speaking of mistakes, one one fear a lot of speakers have is telling stories that are too personal or that they, they overshare. So have you ever overshared? And if so, how did you know you went too far and how did you salvage that? I, I did, but I didn't realize what I was doing when it happened. So, so let me answer this two ways. Uh, one, it's critical to read your audience. So different people go through different things at different times. And what pops into my head is I was with a, doing a women's leadership program and I was telling a story about my son as a, as a baby. And all of a sudden this woman bursts out crying and she runs out of the room. And I, um, I was at a loss and I, couldn't imagine what it was I said that was offensive. Well, it turned out that she had just lost a baby. So I had no way of knowing. And I felt absolutely terrible. But there was no way to know. Yeah. So sometimes things like that just happen. By the same token, uh, last week, I was doing a, a keynote. And my audience was just awesome. Uh, it, it ended up being hilarious. They were involved. But the reason it was so great was because of something that happened that I could have never predicted. And, and it goes to a personal experience. So someone said something about walking away 
and and how sometimes you walk away from a situation and you and you wish that you had said something. You know, it's the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Mm-hmm. So I launch into this story that has nothing to do with anything. It was a financial audience about an old boyfriend who called me right before I got married and I said something to him. Uh, he said to me something along the lines of, you know, well, I hope you're not settling. This is this is literally two nights before I got married. And I said something back to him, spur of the moment. Well, if I was settling, I would have married you. And I hung up on him. So the, <laughs> so the, nice. the woman, right, the woman in the front row went ballistic. She could not stop laughing. I mean, tears were, were pouring down her face. And then everybody was laughing at her. And then what happened is throughout the entire keynote on and off, I kept going back to her because she was like inconsolable. And I would say, are you okay? And I would give her a (laughs) tissue. And then I gave her a free book. And then I, and then I gave her, uh, I was giving out these Starbucks cards and then I gave her a Starbucks card. And, And this went on through an hour and 15 minutes to the point where people were convulsed. I could not have predicted this and I can be funny, but I'm not that funny. So think about if I had told that story to a different audience mm. would have been completely maybe inappropriate for a group of, uh, of all male engineers. They might not have thought it was funny, yeah. but this group related and women could relate. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, part of what happens, Angela, is you learn what works and what doesn't work by doing it. Yeah. There are certain examples and certain stories that you tell and Every time you tell them, people laugh. Or every time you tell them, people <gasps> gasp. So you have to, it's, it goes back to paying attention. You know, tell it. If it works every time for every audience, then you can use it all the time. But if you tell something and you don't get a laugh or it doesn't have the kind of effect or somebody seems annoyed, then it's not the right story. Yeah. Karen, is there anything anything else we should know about finding topics or storytelling before we jump into the lightning round? Well, I think you have to stay current. So, you know, there are certain stories, as I just said, that, you know, work all the time and and maybe you're going to be telling them over 10 years or 15 years, but you still have to continue to create new material. You want, uh, you know, you want material to evolve with you. So those, those patients that I mentioned a few minutes ago, they all have heartbreaking stories, they all have powerful stories, but they often speak to the same groups. So the groups have heard their stories. So what has happened, for example, in the last year since they last spoke to that group that they can use to create new material, but yet drive home the same message? So staying relevant, looking just, you know, keeping that notebook and and looking for ways to share new examples, your life evolves. And so does the life of your audience. So, you know, maybe today you have children 10 years ago, you didn't. Is there something that happened with a child that you can build a story on that will leave somebody with a great lesson or help them relate to what you're talking about? I love it. All right, let's jump into our lightning round. We have five quick questions. The first question is, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to be well-known speakers? Be authentic, be yourself, tell real stories about real people 
that other people can relate to. And if I can add to that, women tend to apologize. Don't apologize. Let others see your greatness through your stories. And that is extremely different than bragging. Yes. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? It's exactly what I tell my children. If you want something, work for it. There is no such thing as being discovered. It's taken me 40 years to get discovered. And every day I hope, like you and like your audience, people are still discovering me. And I hope when I'm 105, if I'm so lucky, people still will. (laughs) And number three, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? No, I, I wrote an article that is titled Advice to My Younger Self, <laughs> and it's, it's in the book, and it's also on the website, and, and, and here's what it is. It's a, it's a quote from singer-songwriter James Taylor. He said, we're only here for a while, so live your life in style. Hmm. So to me, that means, and I learned this as a reporter, treat everyone the same. Don't treat the sanitation worker different than the CEO. Two... Surround yourself with people who share your values. Follow your passion. I tell my children, if you love doing something, do it and find a way to earn a living doing at it. And then it never really feels like work. Um, Look for ways to constantly grow and improve, as we talked about. And also, never take anything for granted. And what advice do you have for your 75-year-old self? That's a kind of a a span, right? 25 to 75 (laughs) years old. I'm not there quite yet, but um, I I guess it's what we were talking about before, that you're never too old to learn, to explore, to have new experiences, to share those experiences with other people. Um, I I also think from a physical and a spiritual sense, you know, things happen, of course, but do whatever you can do to stay healthy. Uh, For me, that means keep moving, I, you know, I, I think of my Aunt Rose, and, and she was actually 75 when she said this. She said to me, Karen, I, I swim and I walk and I travel, and I don't feel that much different than I did when I was 40. But when I look in the mirror, I see this older woman staring back at me, and I don't recognize her. And she's not here anymore. But when I think of my Aunt Rose, what I do think of is what James Taylor said. She lives her life in style. She did. And she enjoyed the ride. Hmm. I love that. Number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? So I knew you were going to ask that question. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I was so incredibly stumped by that. <laughs> so my answer was, my answer was a watch. And I said it was because it keeps on ticking. Time goes by. And as long as you have good batteries, it lasts a long time, right? I thought that was a really good answer. Yeah. And then I, and then I asked my girlfriend, she said, no, that's, that's not, that's not it. I asked my best friend. She said, you are a tree, like an olive tree or a fig tree with very deep roots that are so grounded like family And they branch out to include family and friends in every facet of your life because you always make people feel important. And I was so flattered by that, but I think it goes back to what we've been talking about all of this time. How do you make other people feel important? How do you share lessons with them so the stories that you tell as speakers are about them? and about what 
you have helped them learn that they can there then share with others. I love that. That's a beautiful reflection from your friend. And I love that she, she told you that and that you heard it and that you agree with her. I think that's so perfect. Well, I was really, I was really flattered. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? It means that as a speaker, you focus all of your energy outward. So it's about your audience. And so they have a great time. Uh, I have a saying, and that is, if you want to have presence, then start by being fully present to others. Hmm. I love this. I'm going to listen to this episode about 50 times, by the way. <laughs> hey, Angela, it's taken me, it's taken me a long time to, to learn this and to have this philosophy because when I first started as a speaker 20 years ago, I, I thought I knew a lot because I had been speaking publicly forever. I was on TV for 20 years. And I learned over all of these years from doing this on a daily basis and from my clients and, and all of these people that I've been so fortunate to cross, I learned how much I didn't know. Mm, yep. <laughs> Every day I think the same thing. Wow, I'm learning yeah. so much. And I learn how much more there is to learn. So <laughs> it's exciting. Which what, it, Yeah, and it's what makes learning fun. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about your book for a second, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lessons. Where can we get that? So you can get that at Amazon.com. You can also get that at my website, which is Karen Friedman, F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N.com. And it'll, it lets you click over to Amazon, to Barnes & Noble. And the other book, Shut Up and Say Something, is also there. Um, and additionally, there are a lot of free resources on the website. Okay. videos, articles, yeah, how to. So all you have to do is go to the website, you sign up. And if you ever decide that you don't want stuff, you know, you can unsubscribe, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Okay. And can you give us the 30 second summary of shut up and say something? Shut up and say something or extraordinary lessons. Uh, shut up and Which... say something. Shut up and say something is about business lessons from Z to A. It starts at Z because when we communicate in business, we should be thinking about the end result. Every chapter in Shut Up and Say Something addresses a different business challenge. Jargon, developing messages, creating great stories, talking to your grandmother to keep things simple, media encounters, addressing change, employee issues, and so on. And it takes real-life situations, real-life coaching notes, and applies it in, an how -to for, in a how-to format. So you can pick up that book in 15 years, and the information and the, and the coaching lessons will still apply. Awesome. Well, Karen, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I really love talking with you. Your stories are wonderful. Your advice is perfect. And I'm, just, I'm hoping that my audience can take this and now build better stories that come from their life. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always a lot of fun to share with others. And uh, I, I truly hope that they benefit from this episode as well as the books. Great. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Karen Friedman. I really love talking to her and I, I love the power in her voice. She makes me want to speak like a lion, right? She's so powerful and strong. 
If you like today's episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It takes a couple minutes and it would be super helpful to help more people connect with this podcast. Also, if you want more public speaking information because you just can't get enough, you can get more from my website at AngelaLucier.us. I send out a newsletter with public speaking tips. So that is it for me today, you guys. Hope you got what you were looking for, for finding stories and topics in your own life. As always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.